0: Hello, this is Reverend Colette Duval-Pondela. Welcome to our Wolf Wisdom Gathering in nature's classroom on nature's path. Today I'm joined by Chinoa. She is our white, fluffy, <laughs> big ball of fur. She's a beautiful, incredible, in- inspiring wolf. Um, her name means dove, and dove is the symbol of peace. And at this time in our lives right now, It's important to remember that aspect of our lives, to strive for it, to know it, and to bring it to others. So please welcome her. Help me talk about your time to shine. Here we go. Good morning, everybody. This is Chinoa. She's going to help me do my talk today, which is called Your Time to Shine. Chinoa means dove, and dove is the symbol of peace. And so um, in light of a lot of the violence against children that happened in just the last couple of weeks um, and their response to it, which has inspired me in this way to talk about what I'm going to talk about, I thought the dove of peace (laughs) and this wolf should be here today. So, um, welcome her. I'm going to let her go and kind of roam around, and she can go lay down and do whatever she would like to do. Um, you know, every time I call her name, she responds. And she's also a talker, so it made me think about the kids, you know, and they're like, you know, they're out front using their words. <laughs> and uh, that you don't know to know if you haven't seen her in a while, and you come in and she's, like, missed you. She's like, I'm... <laughs> and it's half hello and where have you been? <laughs> and, yes, I'm talking about you. I know I'm talking about you. You can go lay down if you want. What do you want to do? She says, I want to go back and be with my pack. This is also a month where we're celebrating people of um, African-American heritage. And um, Harriet Tubman says this, every great dream begins with a dreamer. Always remember you have within you the strength, the patience, and the passion to reach for the stars to change the world. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Just for you guys that are new, we do a little opening meditative song. You can kind of uncross yourselves. Just let the chair you're sitting in hold you. And just take these thoughts and this into your mind. As I sing it. believe whatever belief system come from, whatever faith that you know, I believe that there is a creative intelligence, a force, a power, and creative energy that we are all made of, all living things, and that we are one in this creation. And some people call it God, the Native Americans call it great mystery, whatever it is that resonates in your being to this universal truth that we are you in the same universe working together in this way and that we are connected by every element um, and made of every element together and so i say that we are perfect whole and complete that we were made from this creative intelligence and everything seen and unseen we are a part of and made from as well and then I know that your heart's desire is leading you towards a divine destiny. I believe that we all have a purpose for being here. And within us are voices and information. And outside there are signs, things that we can tell us where we need to go. Always directing us into the right place where we can use the love in our heart, outside in the world, to create a better life for all. And this is what we're here to do. (laughs) And so I'm so grateful for everything that has come to me that is good, that is good in here right now, and everything in front of me into eternity. That what I do today, what I do in this moment, counts for everything. And always will. And I know this for myself, and I know it for you. And so I release these words, knowing they're held in the hands of grace. This energy, this beingness, and that it is done, as I've said, not just for me, but for you and for the world at large. And so it is. Amen. (laughs) The Native Americans say aho and namaste. So um, I wrote this back in 2009 when we were starting Shadowland Foundation. And I want to read to you the Shadowland Foundation mission. Everything we have created has been designed with children in mind. They are the pioneers and guardians of our future. And armed with the truth, we know they will certainly bring peace and harmony to our planet forever. And we see this happening in our lifetime. So now a lot of times I come up and I say, despite all appearances to the contrary. (laughs) I do believe this. I do believe this, otherwise I can't stand up here with love in my heart, you know? And that there are things, and and there's so much good that's getting pounded out (laughs) by the sound of what isn't good. And, you know, drama (laughs) This kind of drama affects people, you know, and sends them in a direction. And so it does have an effect and an impact on our beingness, on our bodies, on our communities, on our societies, on our politics. It affects everything. And so it's so difficult to be and live this spiritual purpose, this divine purpose that you have being pounded on all sides from this level, that noise, that noise. And then this week, these children (laughs) spoke up. Now I'm not talking about um, the issue, because I don't want to bring that politics into here. But what happened? This violence against these children brought up something in them. And they are asking for more. They are asking for better. They are asking for good. They are asking for their voices to be heard, and their feelings to be felt, and everything about their being to be recognized. In a world where we tell children, you're not old enough yet. You know? Or that you've been manipulated. You know, you're not old enough to have your own mind. You know, and this is the world where they get bombarded with these things. And it's a wonder that they ever have, you know, come out with anything articulate. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? With this brave heart that they have. You know? Nelson Mandela says, education is the most powerful weapon which you can use to change the world. In my own little way, I call this Nature's Classroom. I have for a long time. We are in Nature's Classroom. That's what we created this whole place to be, is that you can come and that you can put your feet in the grass and in the dirt, and you can sit with wild animals and go, Oh! Wow! And there's no way to sit with these beings and not feel that significance. And for those of you who don't know us, you know, Paul saves trees. That's what he does for a living. And it's not about wild animals, it's about trees. And I grew up climbing trees because, you know, in the arms of these branches, I felt safe. And I had a sanctuary to go to, and I had a place where I could think and I could escape all of that. What could be more natural than being atop of a big, thick oak tree in Texas, which is what it was, in our backyard? I could get lost up there, and yet just climb down and be home again. But it was an incredible respite. So what I'm trying to do here, I don't even, you know, I'm a reverend. Reverend. It took me six years to get that title. <laughs> you know, but that's not, the, that's not the part that should be, the, you know what I mean, significant. It's the education. It's what I've learned. It's what it taught me to reach for. It's what it taught me about myself. It's what it healed in me to share with you. And that's why I call this a classroom. Do you know what I mean? I get, it. some people call it Wolf Church, which I do like. You're <laughs> going to Wolf Church, which is fine, <laughs> you know? We're living this together. And if it is true, which I believe, that we are all on a spiritual journey, we're all on a spiritual journey together. This is, there's no this faction and that faction and this faction. We're all doing this life together, struggling with the same issues, struggling with the same things, and that's what the wolves do. They live in a community, and they live their lives, and they take care of each other, and they survive in a habitat that's hopefully friendly. Otherwise, they don't survive, you know? So the work and the education is, how do we make our environments more friendly, survival-friendly? Rather than the fear of the bear that might take the, you know, the prey that it just took us 24 hours to kill, which happens to them in the wild. Bears will follow a pack of wolves and steal their kill after they spent two days trying to get it down, you know. So that's sometimes what life feels like to you, right? You know, and these unfriendly, but the wolves don't worry about whether the bear is going to come steal their prey. They just work in that friendly environment and then they go and they find another prey to feed their families because they're driven by this love, this love of their lives and the lives of their family and their pack. Otherwise, they don't survive. So, education, the more we know about who we are, the more we know about each other, the more we uplift each other, then we can create environments that are user-friendly for everybody. Malala... I'm not gonna pronounce this right, but say, You know who Malala is, you guys? You know who, do you guys know who Malala? Malala was the um, teenage girl that was shot in the face by the Taliban. Um, And uh, survived. And um, is now a remarkable teenager going around the world teaching peace. (laughs) After that experience. Let us remember one book One pen, one child, and one teacher can change the world. And she got shot because she wanted to go to school. She wants to learn. There are places in the world that don't want you to know anything. And she stood up to them. Not only did she stand up to them, but she got shot. She almost died and she got up and she still put her face in front of them and said, I'm gonna learn. I'm going to learn anyway. Aaron Gruwell says this, I realize if you change a classroom, you can change a community. If you change enough communities, you can change the world. Creating healthy environments. That's what the wolves do. (laughs) That's the wolf wisdom. And you know what it's in us to do? If we are perfect, whole, and complete, just the way we are, Right? Which I do believe. We came here with a divine purpose. So if you're going to liken it to the wolf pack, the wolf pack just gets up, they do their thing, they raise their pack, they go and they look for water sources, they run their prey, they play with each other, they have fun, they hunt. And what they do is they sit in the middle of our ecosystem, and when they're allowed to roam and do what they do, naturally, the entire ecosystem they live in thrives as a result. The insects do better, the birds do better, the plants do better, the water does better, the trees grow. Everything works just serving their purpose. And there are people on this planet before us now and probably in the future who will live an entire lifetime all the way up into their 90s and not even know what their purpose is or that they even have one. And they will still leave a mark. They will leave a mark that leaves an unhealthy environment behind or one that conscious, you know what I mean, consciously or unconsciously leaves a good one behind. And that's where we get that choice. They're not conscious that they are the healers of the planet. But we can't be. We can be conscious, that we can heal just like that. Jack Ma says, help young people, help small guys, because small guys will be big. Young people will have the seeds you bury in their minds. And when they grow up, they will change the world. They'll either do it like these kids, do you know what I mean, for a free society, or they'll do it like the Taliban and live in ancient times? Seriously, what seeds are being planted in the children's minds today? And how are we helping them to know which one's a weed (laughs) and which one's a blossom and which one's food and which one's poison? We can figure that out. Tom Brokaw, we know who he is, right? He's a journalist. Um, you might not know who he is, but um, he's been around a long, long time. He says, You are educated. Your certification is your degree. That's my reverend, that's my license right there. That's my degree. <laughs> you may think of it as a ticket to a good life. Let me ask you to think of an alternative. Think of it as your ticket to change the world. What are you going to school for? piece of paper? I can tell you a lot of people don't care (laughs) about that piece of paper. (laughs) In fact, it doesn't even impress me. (laughs) What impresses me is if I can do and live my divine purpose and leave a mark in this world that touches your heart that will then have you touch somebody else's heart. And then I've done my job. That's what matters to me. That's why I stand up here. For whatever crowd is willing to listen. Because it's important to me. And I did not start to study this until I was 48 years old. And I'm only 61. So you gotta think of 48 years not knowing and understanding Who I am, why I'm here, what I'm supposed to be, what I'm supposed to do, what kind of impact I can have, and how much capacity for love that I have. It was all, not completely absent because I never lost who I was. I was always who I am in the world. But when you don't know who you are and you don't know what your purpose is and you don't know why you're here, you think you're this big. And when you're this big, anything can smash you down. But if you know you're the entire universe, what bat can come and knock you out? Right? And I'm still learning this every single day, every single move, every single moment, you know, to remember I'm this instead of this. And why should I bother anyway? Because it doesn't matter and nobody cares. Do you remember what your dreams were before you went to college? Do you know what you were going to college? Do you remember? You know? (laughs) Elon Musk says this. You guys know who Elon Musk is? You know Elon Musk? Elon Musk um, created the Tesla and Solar City with the solar panels. And he's the one that shot all those satellites into the sky. And um, he's a pretty brilliant guy. Anyway, he says, when I was in college, I wanted to be involved in things that would change the world. And he is. He's kind of like at the top of his class right now. <laughs> we love Elon Musk. But um, I wanted to change the world, too. I remember if I could just get out of this house. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? If I could just get out of this school. You know, that anticipation of graduation and like, woo! My birthday is June 5th. And I graduated on June 4th. I was out of there. I was in my little Lincoln Mercury Capri, and it was stocked with all my stuff. And I hit the road, and I never went back. Now, that's, that tells you a little bit about my home. <laughs> so I was like a lone wolf that needed to go out and create my own thing, and create my own environment, and meet whoever is going to meet, and create another community, which lone wolves do. Otherwise, they wouldn't have any genetic diversity, right? So I was a lone wolf. I took off on my own, and I was going to change the world. I'm still doing it in my own little way, you know. And I have lived long enough and met enough people who have complimented me or thanked me for having an impact on their life, you know. But I've also lived long enough to know when I've hurt people and I've injured them, and I need to make an amends. And amends goes a long, long way, by the way. You know, just, if you've got anybody who ever hurt you and never, you had to work on your own to forgive them because they have not come to apologize or to say, I did this terrible thing to you, you know, that, I did this terrible thing to you, makes you feel seen, heard, felt, acknowledged. Because that's what you're trying to heal from, from the incident where they were involved. Healing that on your own is really harder to do than somebody coming and going, I injured you, and I can't take it back. But I can tell you that I am so sorry that I hurt you in that way. And what can I do to make up for it? And then some people are gone, so you can't make an amends. So you do what um, I know my husband has labeled a life amends you make a difference someplace else for the person who cannot be affected now by the good that you do in the world. And we all have that choice. We all have that choice. Margaret Mead says, never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, it's the only thing that ever has. little small people, <laughs> you know, the Jesuses and the Gandhis, you know, the Nelson Mandela's, the people who have changed the entire planet by standing up and saying, this is what I know. And we resonated it with it at a high level. But there are people who say, this is what I know, and they're resonating at the bottom. But there are plenty of people who will resonate there with them. And we need enough people who hear and see this on this level where we're resonating way up here, and then that's our choice. You know? We need to gravitate to healing our lives rather than gravitating to the hate in our lives. It's so easy to be angry and hate. It makes you feel bad, but makes you feel justified. And so you're sitting here justified and miserable and <laughs> passing that down, right? And it's coming from a place that's in your gut that has no beauty in it whatsoever. And I'm not saying that you're not justified, but it's not a place to live. Living in that place to continues to resonate outside of you and outside of you and includes more and more people. There's many people that you can call on the phone and share your misery with. Who do you call to be uplifted? And usually those calls start with what you're miserable about. (laughs) You know? But there's a difference between the people who want an ear to to sit in their misery with or someone who, I'm miserable and I don't want to be anymore. What can I do? Thanks for listening. Do you know what I mean? And then get some wisdom or a touchstone or somebody who like at least hears you and acknowledges your presence and your pain. That's all we can do for each other. I can't take your pain away. Those kids, I can't take those images. I can't take that experience. Nobody's going to be able to touch it. They were left with that legacy. And if they follow the ones that are speaking up in love for change, you know, to come together, and we're going to change the world as a result, that's where you go. It's not going to heal all those wounds. There's big scars there. But they will change something, they will do something, and they will use this and know they are this big, instead of being afraid for the rest of their lives, which is possible. Vision without action is merely a dream. Action without vision just passes time. Vision with action can change the world. (laughs) Just like the Shadowland vision statement that I read before. Leroy Hood says, Don't underestimate the power of your vision to change the world, whether that world is your office, your community, an industry, or a global movement you need to have a core belief that what you contribute can fundamentally change the paradigm or way of thinking about problems. Who here in the room does not have problems? (laughs) I'll share some of mine with you. (laughs) No, I'm teasing (laughs) Their whole lives are about problem solving. A wild animal, it's all about problem-solving this moment to the next moment of how I'm gonna get that worm or how I'm gonna grab that for the nest that I have to do. You know? And then we're helping each other. Um, The squirrels are prolific right now. Paul, two weeks ago, was chopping down a dead tree and there was a a squirrel nest. Little baby squirrel. Yes, bring them home to the wolves. (laughs) Instead, we called around, and there is a wild, there are people. There is a woman who specializes in squirrels only. And you take them to her house, and she feeds them, and she nurtures them, and she incubates them, and she raises them, and she numbers them, not names them. <laughs> so that she can rewild them later. And then it just happened Friday, too. Only they were a little older, and it was a pair. And they were three and a half miles away from her house, and she waited to go to a class to pick them up and to take them in. It's incredible what people do. Pretty little squirrels. You know? That A lot of people are like, this is a nuisance, how do I get them out of here? Right? Robin Williams says, no matter what people tell you, words and ideas can change the world. <laughs> Bono. Music can change the world because it can change people. Where do you go where there's no music in the world? Have you ever been any place or known anything or watched any natural geographic or read anything about any culture on the planet that does not have music? I never have. You may not like their form of music, but they got it. And it's been around for centuries, instruments to create music from flutes to little string, you know what I mean? It's like some of the stuff that they created to make certain sounds. The initial drum was made because we knew there were other people on the planet and they would beat the drum to connect with other people that they just knew were there but couldn't get to. It was a way of connecting. The first instruments for sound. Yoko Ono, you changed the world by being yourself. Now, Yoko is mostly famous because she was John Lennon's partner. But who could have been more unique than John Lennon and leave a legacy with that kind of music and those kind of words? Jack Layton says, my friends, love is better than anger. Hope is better than fear. Optimism is better than despair. So let us be loving, hopeful and optimistic, and we will change the world. Now, what's the common denominator in my talk? <laughs> Hope, love, optimism, you know? The common denominator is to be yourself and lift up. You don't change the world by living in fear, by creating more fear and more danger. It is not a way to live. Now, I don't have any answers to the world problems other than I do believe that this is what it is. And when we grasp this for real, and don't call it, you know, know, la-la land or something, do you know what I mean? I laugh about it all the time. Love is the answer, as cliche as that sounds. And for me, I know I have a loving nature, except when I don't. When I'm angry, when I'm frustrated, when I'm mad, and when I want to lash out. Whoa! (laughs) Oops. See, there's always problems. The chair fell over and broke. (laughs) You okay? (laughs) Pretty soon. Things wear out, and then you got to replace them. Right now, that just feels like that's happening everywhere in our world right now. (laughs) And the bank account keeps going down and down and down. Anybody else experiencing that? That's what I mean. Those little things, and those are high-class problems, by the way. Those are the high-class problems, you know, that we will let ruin our day. I do not love things breaking and having to fix them, constantly, especially when they cost a lot. Jimi Hendrix says, in order to change the world, you have to get your head together first. Jimi Hendrix was one of the most um, uh, famous guitar players. I have to tell the children my references because I'm so old. (laughs) But um, I don't think he was talking about getting your thoughts straight or getting organized. I think he was talking about our minds, our powerful instruments. We have proven through physics that what we think happens out in form. We move molecules with a thought. And even though you and I are seeing the same molecule happen, you're seeing it differently than I'm seeing it because my mind is not yours. And the molecules are responding based on our thoughts, our beliefs. That's this. That's how powerful we are. We are the universe. We really, really are. And when we start to get that, then those little things during the day cannot take us down and frustrate us and let, make us live that place in our lives. I've been taught that if, if, <laughs> if something happens, there, there will be the resources to, available to fix it. Change that thought. Rather, how am I going to do that? Get rid of the how. It's not up to you. Just know that you're going to fix the problem. And the elements and the molecules around you, especially if we're connected on that level, start to come together to fix that problem. But we have to be participating, getting our minds right, getting this right. Nina Hagen says, we can change the world if we change ourselves. We just need to get a hold of the old patterns of thinking. For those listening at home, I'm holding my head. We just need to get a hold of the old patterns of thinking and dealing with things and start listening to our inner voices and trusting our own superpowers. I just recorded Wonder Woman last night. I saved it for Paul and I to watch together tonight. (laughs) Just saying Wonder Woman, letting that resonate with yourself if you're female... Right? Woo! <laughs> Very powerful. Superhero. Woohoo! <laughs> Very famous cartoon character for decades. Lynn Schusterman says to all of the young people out there who are creating social change or even fomenting social movements hold on to your idealism and your belief in your ability to change the world. Your lofty goals demand attention and deserve support. Everybody remember the hippies, right? (laughs) It was, um, in my household, the bad generation, right? The bad kids. You don't want to be like them, you don't want to have friends with them, you don't want to be near them, you don't want to have anything to do with them. Now, I'm not going to say that there wasn't the drug, sex, and rock and roll that they were afraid of. But they were also afraid that they were not afraid to grow their hair long when it was a buzz cut that you're supposed to have. Every time I see, we have mimosa trees, and every time I see the mimosa leaf, the dried one, because back then, we embroidered our jeans not bought them already embroidered. We tie-dyed t-shirts to have individuality so that we didn't participate and spend our money on (laughs) the industrial complex and support that system. Right? And I used to take those mimosa seeds and I would break them open and I would boil them. My mother taught me how to boil them in the water to make them soft, soft and I made necklaces and I made bracelets out of them and I wore those instead of buying jewelry. That was that day. Now, I read a long time ago, and I couldn't find the article again, but that generation is why we have the internet today. It's why we have computers today. That's why we have satellites up in the air. That generation opened up the thought process of thinking that was not narrow, but massive. And they have evidence to support this, statistically. That those hippies, (laughs) those weird kids, changed the world into what we are living today and made life better for not just this country, but for people who are suffering without vaccines, without cell service, without drainage and sewage systems. This is what they did for the world. Imagine what these guys are going to do. <laughs> and then give yourself a pat on the back that you were a part of that process. Now, I was just a little too young to be a hippie. But then, I had, when I was teaching acting in, um, in L.A., in, uh, um, in like the mid-2000s, uh, my, my, my students thought I was a hippie. They <laughs> said, are you a hippie? I'm like, really? <laughs> No, I kind of didn't get it from their point of view, but I kind of got it. Because I wasn't like any of the other teachers they had. I was different. I spoke my mind. I brought ideas out. I didn't stick to a curriculum. I wasn't strict. You know? I didn't act right. (laughs) Whatever right was. You know? Stephen Curtis Chapman says... If only 7%, 7% of the 2 billion Christians in the world would care for one single orphan in distress, there would effectively be no more orphans. If everybody would be willing to simply do something to care for one of these precious treasures, I think we would be amazed by just how much we could change the world. That's 7% of an entire religion in the population of the world could take in every child in need. You know, it's an amazing statistic. And it could be done, it's doable. That's the other thing, it's doable, right? It could be easy. I come from a family of Christians that would only work to save those children, to save their own souls, by trying to save their soul instead of save the child. And so, you know, what what does Christianity do for you if it doesn't give you what it was meant to have, right? I'm not saying this is all Christians. I'm just saying the one you know what I mean, what I know, and that there's interpretations to every single form of faith or belief system that you can turn into a way to do less. Do you know what I mean, and be justified by it? Instead of, you know what I mean, being uplifted to do more. Two billion Christians. You know, there's billions of Muslims, there's billions of people in the world. And we could all do so great for each other. <laughs> that is so doable. There should be no person, no child in need. Anywhere. Robert Kraft says, I'm not a Starbucks guy, I'm a, I'm a Dunkin' Donuts guy. But I like to pay for the coffee of the other folks behind me in line. It typically costs me less than 10 bucks, and makes the other people feel good. More importantly, it makes me feel so good, and random acts of kindness change the world, one person at a time. And this idea has actually created places, I think Panera Bread does it, (laughs) there's a lot of places, that you can give off to the side for people who cannot pay for themselves. And so basically, you just pay what you can. So, some people come in and pay 20 bucks, and it only costs five bucks for your item. That $15 goes to somebody who can only pay two. And they're working. And some people would call that communism instead of humanity. You know? I'm not a favor of communism as we knew it in the 60s and 70s in 40s and 50s, just so you know. But that idea, do you know what I mean, that you're gonna label human giving, do you know what I mean, and sharing as something as sinister as what we know about that word, right? Because everybody should pay their own way or they don't matter. But you can help. I... In 2008, was I had a business where I was painting, doing decorative painting in people's homes and offices. And then the real estate market crashed, and the stock market crashed, and everything crashed. right? And I couldn't even get a job to paint somebody's hallway, much less, do you know what I mean, make a living. And this was about the time I met Paul and was introduced to these wolves. Do you know what I mean? So I'm, I look back at that time. But I had a support group from my spiritual community, and we would get together, we ladies, like every week. And I couldn't even buy toothpaste. I was using the baking soda <laughs> out of my refrigerator, you know? And she texted me, and she goes, what kind of toothpaste do you like? And I just, I was like, Oh, okay, you know, my brand. She comes back 20 minutes later with an entire grocery bag of the things that she thought that I needed. You know, it's hard on your dignity when you can't afford toothpaste, right? And I have a friend who loved me and didn't want me to feel like that, and I had to go take my toothbrush and dip it into the baking soda in the refrigerator, right? No, I would have done that happily because that's what you know, I could know that, but that I had somebody who loved me enough and cared about me enough that was late for work that day to go and make sure that I had toothpaste to brush my teeth a yeah. bit. She probably has no idea, you know, what that meant to me at that moment, to do that for me. And that that's the littlest thing you can do, you know, to make sure I had some milk from my cereal. You know, they're just, you know, otherwise I wouldn't have had it. And um, it was just, those are miraculous times you know, when you have, and you are in need, and you're not even asking and people give. And not out of charity, but just because out of love. Tahar Ben Jaloon says this, I came to poetry through the urgent need to denounce injustice, exploitation, and humiliation. I know that's not enough to change the world, but to remain silent would have been a kind of intolerable complicity. What are you good at that you were denying the world, (laughs) you know? Use whatever you have. Say whatever you have. Sing whatever you have. Dance whatever you have. Draw whatever you can. Write whatever you know. Play with whatever you love. The Native Americans, I say it all the time, it was their belief system that everything you do in this moment with a child affects seven generations down and away. And so when they cared for their offspring, and you should see what the wolves do with their puppies and how they are so protected... When we first got Freedom, because they were a pack, and they lived in Studio City, we weren't as concerned, but Freedom was the first wolf we had up here. And when he was four weeks old, 30 days old, I took him out to the backyard. But they get scooped up by their birds of prey. That's how they lose their lives when they're infants. And I took him out into the back enclosure, and the top two tier, the um, Cochise and Camé, our um, second pack-ranking female, Flanked him, and walked next to him, and just watched in fascination for twenty minutes. He went wherever he went; they were on either side of him to protect him. And then, after twenty minutes, they took uh, away and uh, Chinoah and um, Taya flanked him. And uh, as long as he was out, he had two wolves flanking him. Do you know what I mean? That's what the wolves do for their babies. That's what the wolves do for their children. They wouldn't have even thought of like taking a break and going and sitting. <laughs> right? So this is in our wild animals and how they care for their, their, their loved ones, their babies, how they raise them. The Native Americans were part of this nat- natural system. And so when they made their cradle boards, they made them so that they could hang them on their back, hang them on their chest. They could put them on their horses. They could put them on their lodging while they continued their chores so their children were with them and constantly watched because they knew that anything that happened, if they fell down or fell off or hurt themselves, that it would affect seven generations down. Imagine what this incident in Florida just did. Seven generations away, the violence of that system. You know? If we're to believe this, seven gener- it just caused seven generations of children to suffer the same fate in a different way. Now, I think that we can counter it. Because I do believe the more that they, we are protecting and the more that we are loving and the more and the less violent we are, that we can override that. If it takes only 7% of Christians to cure orphans, (laughs) the orphan situation in our world, that's only 7%. Then we've got 93% of our world possibilities, right, to override those seven generations and make a world full of peace and harmony for ourselves, our children, and our legacy. We can do that. We should be striving for that. Wendy Lesko says, if you ever think you're too small to be effective, you've never been in bed with a mosquito. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody ever been camping with mosquitoes? <laughs> you only need one. And up here, it's a fire ant. You only need one. Ow! <laughs> For days, little tiny things. Mahatma Gandhi says if we are to reach world peace in the world, we shall have to begin with the children. And Alfie Khan says um, children, after all, are not just adults in the making, they are people whose current needs and rights and experiences must be taken seriously. Susie Kasem, nothing threatens a corrupt system more than a free mind. Guys, remember the movie Big? Have you seen the movie Big? (laughs) (laughs) That company was going under until they got somebody who understood children and said, you've got to make this and you'll make a fortune. But you have to include them. We're doing this right now. We're, we're, we're developing a video game. I don't know from video games. The last video game I played was Pac-Man in college, in 1975. <laughs> Do you think I can develop a, a good video game? Absolutely not. I've never even played one. <laughs> How am I supposed to know what people will buy? Only my ego tells me to get in the way. So you guess what? I got kids who have been playing and developing, you know, um, video games and playing them since they were, you know, this high. And so we're hoping that works. (laughs) You have to include them. They have brains. They have minds. They know what they want. They know what they need. If you're thinking 10 years ahead about what's going to sell and what's going to make you money, do you know we've been here seven years? Talk to the kids. You're the only ones with extra spending money. (laughs) What do they want? What do they want to buy? I'm just going to I know I'm running a little long, but I'm going to, I love this quote. The truth will set you free, but first it will piss you off. (laughs) Shifting perspective, Rasheed Agun Lara says this shifting perspective or perspectives and being proactive are essential to your life path progress progress and possibilities just because a door appears closed it does not mean that it is locked nor that it will not open with the right heart call or touch there you go anyway unfortunately pain is inevitable Yet suffering is optional. This is Alaric Hutchinson. It is our heart connection that makes all the difference. When we experience mental, physical, emotional, or spiritual pain, love is the one medicine that transcends any sympathetic or organic drug we use to suppress pain. And Albert Einstein says our task must be to free ourselves By widening our circle of compassion to embrace all living creatures and the whole of nature and its beauty. That's what we're supposed to do. So I chose this song to sing way back in the hippie days (laughs) Uh, A Bridge Over Troubled Water. So that's where I got the name of my talk today, which is Your Time Has Come to Shine. Leopolis says this there is love in everything, and when we really live and view life with an open heart and live in our truth, the light illuminates the way. (laughs) Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Chinoa. You said Chinoa, good girl. (laughs) So oh thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you like what you heard and you think it is a benefit to you and with others, please share this podcast with your friends and your family. Also like us on Facebook at Wolf Wisdom Gathering and Shadowland Foundation. Um, You can also check out our website at shadowlandfoundation.org and um, we appreciate any donation that you would like to share with us. They are all tax deductible. So please help us that would be great Have a blessed blessed week and we'll talk then And what would
1: be come